0: My name is Rick Renner, and I'm in the lower district of ancient Pergamum in what today is called the Red Hall or the Red Court because of the red bricks that are used in this building. But 2,000 years ago, this very building was the Temple of Isis and Serapis, which is an Egyptian religion. There were a lot of Egyptians in Asia, and a lot of them lived here in the city of Pergamum. A lot of commerce between Egypt and Asia and the Egyptians congregated in these big, important Asian cities. And this was one of the big temples where they worshiped, the Temple of Isis and Serapis. Believers would not enter into places like this in the first century because they had been delivered from this. How about you? Think of all the things you've been delivered from that you don't want to revisit in your life. If you've been delivered from alcohol, and delivered from fornicating, and delivered from a lifestyle of sin, you don't want to go back to that. Well, likewise, the believers have been delivered from all of this, and they didn't want to come back into these places again. They shunned these pagan temples. But there was a group called the Nicolaitans, and these Nicolaitans were in Ephesus, and they were in Pergamum, And the Nicolaitans were a group of teachers who said, Now, wait a minute. We don't need to be so strict and so separated. These pagans are good people. They're not so bad. We need to spend time with them. We need to go with them to their temples. We need to befriend them. And then maybe we can win them to Christ. And really, the Nicolaitans were condoning compromise. Jesus was so against this that in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 6, Jesus said he was against the deeds of the Nicolaitans. In Revelation 2 verse 15, he said he was against the doctrines of the Nicolaitans. And in both of those verses, the Bible actually uses the word hate. The Greek word misio, which describes a repugnance for something, something that is absolutely revolting and disgusting. Jesus really says, this idea of compromise is disgusting. It's revolting and I reject it. If that's the opinion of Jesus, it ought to be our opinion too. But we need to know what is the doctrine of the Nicolaitans in the world today? How do you recognize the current doctrine of Nicolaitans? What does it look like? What does it sound like? And what do we do when we confront it? That's what I'm gonna
1: talk to you about today. Stay tuned for a teaching you can trust. A message that will inspire, strengthen, and equip you with vital insights and understanding from the Word of God. Here is Rick.
0: Thank you for letting me come right into your space today to bring you Christ's message to the church in Pergamum. Now you might say, what does Pergamum have to do with me? Everything. When you hear what Christ said to them, you're going to say, wow, I think that is what Christ is still saying to the church today. And it is. It was his message to the church then. And it is really a relevant message for the church today. And that means it's a relevant message for you and your church. So stay with me. In the introduction to the program, I was sitting in the ancient temple of Serapis in lower Pergamum discussing the Nicolaitans. And how detrimental they were to the life of the church. And Christ called on them to repent. And that's where we're going to pick up again today. And we're going to continue all the way through verse 16. And this verse is just loaded. So get something to write with. And by the way, if you have a prayer request, let us know. We're here. We would love to pray for you. We really are people of prayer. And when we hear from you, we hit the knees. And we begin to pray for you. So if you'll let us know how to pray. We will pray with you and put our faith together with yours. But I want to remind you that I'm offering you my series called Christ's Message to Pergamum. It's a 10-part series. You really need to order this series. I'm not just trying to sell you something. I'm telling you this is a message that has the ability to transform your life. It's 10 parts based on these programs, all the points and the principles and the video and the photos and the Greek words and more history here than I was able to give you in the programs It is just outstanding. And it comes with a study guide that is worth the whole series, perfect for your personal study. Or if you're discipling somebody, think about it, this gives you 10 opportunities to sit down and go over the Word of God with somebody you're discipling. Or if you have a 10-week Bible study, can you imagine anything better than this? The whole Bible study group can go through these 10 parts. It will transform them. I guarantee you, it will create conversation really good. We're also offering you my book called No Room for Compromise, Christ's Message to Today's Church. I love this book because it's not just information and revelation. It's lots of pictures. People love pictures. This book is loaded with photos. When I wrote this book, I decided to do it like I think that a book ought to be done. And everybody said to me, Rick, what are you doing? This is going to be so expensive to produce. But you know what? It was just on my heart To make the book the way that i thought the book ought to be made so i took my photographers and my video team and my researchers with me to turkey over and over and over and we documented everything that i talk about in this book and it's our photos this is my work and it is just amazing you will love this now today i'm going to be talking to you about christ's sword and judgment that's a subject people don't talk about much today but Christ's sword is still working today, and people are still being dealt with by God today if they don't repent, particularly leaders who are in error and who are leading others astray. And today I'm going to clearly show this to you in Scripture. But when we talk about the sword, which Christ refers to in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 16, I have a picture of what that sword looked like right here in the book. This book will just cause the whole text to come alive for you. But I want to read to you, very briefly from page 288. Listen to this. Despite the outstanding commitment of many of the Pergamene believers, a deadly spiritual infection had begun to spread inside the church. And Jesus knew it had to be addressed and removed before it spread to the entire body. Certain spiritual leaders in the church had begun to promote compromise, moral relativism, and inclusiveness over absolute truth. Referring to this corrosive spiritual disease as the doctrine of Balaam and the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, Jesus expressed his emphatic hatred of it because of its potential to bring ruin on the church. So Jesus issued a stern warning to the believers and leaders in Pergamum. The time for negotiating had come and gone. The head of the church was calling for unconditional surrender of the errant leaders who were poisoning the church with compromising doctrine. If they chose to defy him, Jesus would move swiftly to surgically remove them from the congregation with his sharp sword. Although they may have seen themselves as progressive and exempt from a more primitive style of Christianity, Jesus viewed those who were promoting inclusion and compromise as a threat to the very life of the church and would use whatever means was necessary to stop them in their tracks. Jesus was going to exert his authority and retake the church for himself. Do you see how relevant that is? That is what Jesus is still saying to the church today. Jesus will surgically remove those who bring spiritual disease to the church if they don't repent and get back in line. And that leads us to Revelation chapter 2, verse 15. That's where we're going to begin today, very quickly reviewing verse 15. And in verse 15, the Bible says, So thou hast there them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Now, the Nicolaitans are referred to twice. In Revelation chapter 2, Revelation chapter 2, verse 6, they were in Ephesus. And in Ephesus, Jesus said he hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans. But when you come to Revelation chapter 2, verse 15, we find that the Nicolaitans are also in the church of Pergamum, and Jesus hates their doctrine. He hates their doctrine, and he hates their deeds. You need to understand that doctrine determines behavior. If your doctrine is right, you're going to have correct behavior. If your doctrine is wrong, it will always lead to incorrect behavior. And Jesus was against their doctrine and against their deeds. Doctrines and deeds are always connected. And Jesus said he hated their doctrine. And we saw that this word hate is the Greek word missio. The word missio describes a deep-seated animosity, antagonism, utter repulsion. It is a strong aversion, utter contempt, hostility, intolerance. It describes disgust and outrage. Jesus was outraged by what the Nicolaitans were introducing to the church. What these leaders were teaching or endorsing, maybe they weren't directly teaching it, but at least they were endorsing it. We need to be careful of what we endorse. And what these leaders were teaching or endorsing was utterly objectionable to Jesus. That is what the word hate in Revelation chapter 2 in verse 15 means. And in fact, Jesus was so against it. He wasn't against them. He loved them. He died for them like he died for everybody else. But he hated their doctrine. And he hated their deeds, he found it so repulsive. Imagine, they were bringing a corrosive spiritual disease into the church that was beginning to eat away at the church itself. And Jesus was so upset by this, he said he hated it. And then in verse 16, he called on them to repent. That's what it says, Revelation chapter 2, verse 16. Repent, or else I will come unto thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword. Of my mouth. And we've seen that this word repent is the Greek word metanoeo, such an important foundational word for every Christian. The word metanoeo, the word meta means to change. The word noeo is from the Greek word nous, the word for the mind. When you compound the two words together, the word repent, the Greek word metanoeo means a change of mind that results in a complete, radical, total change of behavior. A decision, you see it's mental, it's intellectual, it's not emotional, a decision to completely change or turn around in the way that one is thinking, believing, or living, it results in a total transformation affecting every person, part of a person's life, both inside and outside, resulting in behavioral change. I think this is so important because today there's a lot of confusion about the word Repent. Imagine, we're living in an age when people are confused about the word repent. Is there anything more basic than the word repent? It's a Bible doctrine that every Christian should understand. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1 and verse 2, it says it is a foundational doctrine of the church. If you get this one messed up, you're really going to be messed up. Repentance is still something every Christian has to do. You don't repent to get saved. You get You repent to make a decision. You change. It doesn't mean to be sorrowful or remorseful or filled with guilt or regret. It doesn't have anything to do with that. It doesn't even have anything to do with emotion. The word repent, the Greek word metanoeo means make a decision to go in a different direction. Let me help you. If you have children, if you ever said to your children, hey, change your behavior, change your attitude, guess what? You might as well have said repent. Because that's what it means. In fact, when our kids were young, we wanted them to understand the word repentance. So in our house, if there was an attitude problem, I never said change your attitude. I always said repent in your attitude. I wanted them to understand this biblical concept of repentance. It means change your attitude. And by the way, when you change your attitude, you'll also change your actions. So it's a change of mind that results in a behavioral difference. That's what the word repent means. So when Christ says to them, repent, he's telling them to change. I want you to behave different, think different, teach different. It's time for you guys to make a change. And who was he speaking to? In this verse, he was speaking to errant leaders who are teaching compromise and inclusiveness with the world. Let's drop our standards. Let's not be so separate, so strict. Let's blend in a little bit with the world. Let's begin to adapt some of the world's thinking. This is so contrary to the gospel that Jesus hated it. And he called on these erring leaders to repent, make a change, stop what you're doing. It's time for you to doctrinally begin to get back on track and go in the right direction. Then Jesus adds this statement. Repent or else, I will come into thee quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Interesting that when it says or else, the Greek would literally be translated, if not however. It really implies that Jesus believed they would repent. He believed they would respond. And likewise, when Jesus calls on leaders to repent today, or if Jesus calls on you to make a change in your life, Jesus believes you'll do it. If not, however, he may have to deal with us in a different way. And Jesus said to these leaders, Repent, it's a command, and it is an assumption that they will do it. But then he says, If not, and the Greek says, If not, however, if you don't listen, if you don't do this, I will come unto thee quickly and fight against them with the sword of my mouth. When Jesus says, I will come, In Greek, it is the word erkomai, and there's no doubt about the meaning of this word, I will come, the Greek word erkomai. It means to come, to be en route, or to be on the way. And Jesus was literally saying, this is my signal. I'm giving you an opportunity to repent. If not, however, if you refuse to heed my instructions, you need to understand I will quickly be en route to you I will be on my way. Jesus was giving them a warning. It was a final opportunity to repent. And if they refused, Jesus said, I will come. I'll be en route. I'll quickly be on the way to you. To you in Greek is the word soy. It's very emphatic. It means directly to you. It literally meant Jesus was going to make a path straight to them to deal with them if they did not change and heed his warning. I want to read to you from my notes. If they refused to heed his words, Jesus would make a direct path to them to personally deal with them. They should not misinterpret delay as tolerance. You know, sometimes judgment is delayed because God is patient. He's giving us an opportunity to repent. And sometimes people who are in error misinterpret it as tolerance. God's not dealing with me, therefore it must be all right. No, no, no. Don't misinterpret patience as tolerance. They're not the same thing. Christ will eventually say enough is enough. For Christ to speak in such strong words reveals he had already warned them previously and given them earlier opportunities to repent, but because they were repeatedly ignoring what he was saying to them, now the opportunity to repent was coming to a close. This was love crying out to them saying to them, you still have a few moments, you still have a little time, I'm pleading with you, if you don't repent, I'm going to come directly to you. And in fact, Jesus says he'll do it quickly. Look at Revelation 2.16. Repent or else I will come unto you quickly. That word quickly, in Greek, is the word tachous. No doubt about the meaning of this word. The word tachous describes a swift, high-speed movement. It literally means I will come to you quickly. It describes Christ coming to them at a galloping speed. Wow. It emphatically means the clock was ticking and time was running out. Christ was about to move at a very swift speed to deal with them because he had already given them ample time to repent. Now this was the last opportunity. And in fact, in Revelation 2.16, he says what he's going to do with them. He says, repent or else I will come into thee quickly at a galloping speed, a swift movement, and will fight against them. The word fight. Now here's, here's principles and scriptures that a lot of people don't touch, but my friend, it's in the Bible. We need to know what's in the Bible. And when leaders are in sin and they refuse to repent, or when a believer refuses to bend his knee and humble himself before God, God loves that believer so much, he'll deal with that believer in another way. And in this particular case, Jesus has given these erring leaders ample time to repent of their worldliness, their false doctrines of inclusion and compromise and progressive thinking, and to get back on track and Jesus says, if not, however, if you're not going to listen to me, and if you're not going to do what I've commanded you to do, you're going to find out I'm going to make a direct path to you, and I'm not going to delay. I'm going to come to you at a galloping speed, and when I get there, I'm going to fight with you with the sword of my mouth. That word fight is the Greek word palemos. Now, anybody who reads Greek Tell you this word polemos is a very serious word. This is not a skirmish. This is an all out war. The word polemos describes an organized and often prolonged military conflict designed to defeat an opponent. It is a crushing force. This is no mere skirmish. It is an all out war. And by using this word polemos, Here translated in the King James Version is the word fight. It means Christ was armed and was ready to engage in battle if it was required. It's not what he wanted to do, but if it was required. The time for negotiation was finished. If they chose to continue to defy him with their false doctrine and choosing to teach worldliness and accommodation, Jesus said, I'll show up and I'll deal with you a different way. I will fight against you. It'll be an all-out war. Now, I want to tell you, friends, if Jesus is against you, you might as well give up right now because you're not going to win a battle with Jesus. The word sword in Revelation 2.16 is the Greek word "rhomphaia." Now, this is totally out of the ballpark, strong, beyond what you can imagine. This is not just a regular Roman sword. The word "rhomphaia" was not even a Roman sword. It was a Thracian sword. Here's what it means. This word sword, the Greek word romphe, is a sharp, sickle-shaped blade affixed to a long pole. It was known for its ability to cut through thick armor with its long reach. Its back-and-forth hacking motion was similar to a farmer using a sickle, and it penetrated the tightly-packed formation of enemies. Jesus was literally saying, if you guys don't do what I'm telling you to do, I'm going to come with a sword. If I have to hack my way back into the church, I'm getting back into the church. The church belongs to me. It's not yours. And Jesus said, if I have to hack my way back in, I'm coming, and I'm going to get back into my church. The church is mine. I'm going to retake it for myself. That is powerful. And Jesus is still speaking that message to the church today. The church belongs to Jesus. He is the head of the church. We are His church. And when anyone in the church begins to take the church in a wrong direction, they are placing themselves in jeopardy. If they don't repent, Christ will surgically remove them, and He will find His way back into the church. But listen to this in Revelation 2.16. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Interesting that Jesus said, he that hath an ear. I wonder why he said that. I'll tell you why. Because everybody didn't have an ear. Everybody does not listen when the Spirit speaks. Some people don't even have an ear to hear. Sometimes people are so involved in delusion and deception, they can't hear. And so now Jesus says, for those of you who still have ears, that's what he's still saying today. If you have ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying unto the churches. Now you may say, now wait a minute, this was to the church of Pergamum, this has nothing to do with me. No, 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 no. What does it say? He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches, plural. This message had application to all seven churches in Asia at that time, and to the church throughout all the ages. What Christ said then, he is still saying today. He is speaking these words to anybody who has an ear in the church in any age of the church. And Jesus said, To him that overcomes will I give to eat of the hidden manna. Jesus will reward you if you'll stay on track. And if you feel like staying on track is difficult, Wow, when you hear what hidden manna is, you'll realize it's worth being faithful to the Word of God because hidden manna will provide everything you need for life. And if you'll stay on track, God will bless you, not just eternally, now. He'll provide for you now power, provision, protection, everything you need if you'll get in line and if you'll stay on track with the teachings of the Bible. We're out of time, but I'll be back in just a moment. I'm going to pray for you.
1: Explore the Bible and the first century church with Rick Renner's book, No Room for Compromise. In this masterful hardback Bible study, Rick transports you to the first century and the life of the early church, exploring the relevance of Jesus' end-time message to the church of Pergamum then, and how that end-time message is relevant today. On every page, Rick reveals the larger context of the book of Revelation and his appearance to the Apostle John taking you on a journey through the first three centuries of christian opposition within a pagan world you'll be amazed to see how the early church thrived through the light life and power of jesus christ this beautifully bound 400 page book can be yours for eighty dollars features on location photography added artwork and historical illustrations that enhance the in-depth teaching when you call or go online today. You can also get the 10-part teaching series, Christ's Message to the Church in Pergamum. As one of the seven churches in the book of Revelation, the Church in Pergamum was a light of faith in the pagan darkness. In this series, you'll see how Jesus' message of holding on to faith is just as relevant today as it was in the first century. Available in digital or physical formats, starting at just $20. Don't miss this special offer, No Room for Compromise, and Christ's Message to the Church in Pergamum. Call now or go to Renner.org to order.
2: My name is Joel Renner, coming to you right from Moscow, Russia, and I want to tell you about the certain outreaches of our ministry that we do here in Russia. You know, people need help, and more importantly, people need Jesus. And in, in these outreaches that we provide, people can have both can receive help and Jesus. For decades, we have been able to touch millions of lives with the gospel of Christ and the love of God. We've been privileged to do this through broadcasting Christian television programs all over the world, starting churches that are thriving to this day, visiting orphanages with gifts for children and the workers, visiting prisons to minister hope in God's Word, visiting mental institutions to share the freedom that is found in Christ, equipping graduates of our Bible Seminary so they can go out and help others, reaching thousands through our Internet Good News Church with Bible teaching and spiritual care. Because of you, we are able to take the gospel of Christ both to our nearby world and to the ends of the earth. Please call or go to renner.org to make a financial donation so that through your giving, we can continue to make this huge difference in people's lives. We're living in a
0: day when seducing spirits with doctrines of demons are trying to lead people into error. And the error is well disguised as inclusiveness, accommodation, being open-minded, progressive in our thinking. It's really delusional thinking that the devil's bringing into society, and unfortunately, much of that delusion is coming inside the church. And some churches and some church leaders, they're beginning to drop their standards. Even the common believers, they're beginning to adapt the way they think about sexuality and gender confusion. Oh, the list is so long where people are modifying what they believe. This is a result of seducing spirits and doctrines of demons that are invading the world. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 24, when Jesus talked about the signs of the times, the very first sign he gave that said we would be alerted that it is the very end of the age is that deception or delusion would begin to pervade society. That's the day that we're living in. So we need to keep our head on straight. We need to stick with the Bible, believe the Bible, and not fudge from what the Bible teaches, even if the world chooses to go another direction We're not obligated to do that. We're obligated to hold fast to the name of Jesus and to not deny our faith or the teaching of the Word of God. That is our obligation. And that's what I want to encourage you to do, and you can do it. But I'm offering you my series called Christ's Message to Pergamum. Order it. It's really good. And my book called No Room for Compromise, Christ's Message to Today's Church. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to open our Bibles and go deep. And we ask you to change us in Jesus' name. Thank you for being with me. Remember Ecclesiastes 8.4, where the word of the king is, there's power. No wonder the devil hates it. It's got so much power. So let the word of God release its power in your life today. And I'll see you in the next program.
1: Thank you for watching this broadcast. For more information on product resources or to learn how you can partner with this ministry, please connect with us at renner.org. Also, please be sure to visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.